Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 238 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Notice I do not say that we're the Lamborghini of wrestling podcasts. I, well, you want to under-promise and over-deliver, that's why. That's right. Uh, Lamborghini of comic books is the Logbox Hero Show. Lamborghini of Podcast Networks is soon to be named Network. We've got minimally four wrestling shows on the on the network. Uh-huh. Um, if you count Hayabusa, and I do. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Hayabusa, and I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do that to them. Well, we're the... We're the OG wrestling show. Can we be that? Uh, yeah. However, even though we started, like, us and We Need Wrestling started within, like, a week of each other. We still beat them. We still did beat them. Even though I think because we missed a week in there somewhere, um, we have, like, the same episode numbers if we use legacy numbering for them. <laughs> Uh, I feel like they had to have missed. I think there was like a, a time, a couple times where one or two of them were sick, and I, I'm pretty sure they had a recording kerfuffle at least once. No, so they've always put something out, even if they've had a recording kerfuffle. They've gone up and put up like whatever they have, and the times where one or the other has been sick, um, they'll like usually it'll be like Brett won't travel up to DJ's house. And then DJ will just record something with Michelle and force her to watch wrestling or something. Yeah, but I feel like there was a time where they they didn't get a recording and DJ just did like a, a two minute thing where he said, like, sorry, there's no show this week. And I don't I, count that. I count that. It's an episode. I could download it and listen to it, it as a number on it. Ah, see, you're you're much more lenient with those guys. I hold I'm their feet lenient. to the listen, fire. <laughs> who, who did I hear the other day? saying how big of a deal it was that they put out a show um once a week or no it was on it was a uh, marky this week on major wrestling right uh-huh because they're coming up on episode 250 you know oh i'm i'm a poor now so i won't hear that till tomorrow well i'm a poor too but you know i got my <laughs> ways um so uh, he was saying about how they're coming up on 250 and how big of a deal this is, that they've never been late with the show. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they put out new content every week. And I don't know. He was just like, he's like, who else does? What other podcast has put out 250 episodes? Yeah, like lots. <laughs> and I was like, hundreds, if not thousands, Marky. But anyway. Yeah, and I still don't agree with – I'm pretty sure we had a very big head start on We Need Wrestling because we were doing the podcast before AEW was even a thing. Our Like our first episode – not our first episode because I know from Vintage at Odds that like maybe our third episode we were reviewing all in. And we did a weekly episode every time. So We Need Wrestling didn't start, or Wednesday Night War didn't start until obviously NXT was running head to head with AEW. So we had to have at least a six month head start on them. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Because, I mean, just for that alone. Because, again, I, I did the, the, the vintage at odds. And it's how long between All In and the first episode of AEW? Almost a year. Then we have almost a year head start on them. Yeah. Damn, I win. Boom. Flagship wrestling show on the network. I'm not saying we're the best. We're just the oldest. 
All right, now's not the time for me to research and crunch my numbers. I know I looked at like an RSS feed and the number of episodes they had in there. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, can't you've got uh, listen, this is a week for this is a week of mistakes for me. So I'll 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 take the L on this one, you know? Perfect. Plus we relaunched with new number ones a bunch of times and yeah, it's confusing. Right. Well, this isn't confusing, Adam. Let's get into our show, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right, so we're going to bounce around a bunch here for This Day in Wrestling History, okay? All right. Well, we're going to start soft, and we're going to roll, and we're going to end strong, okay? I thought you were going to say we're going to end hard. No, that's another show. <laughs> okay. Um, how about we start with this? Uh, on this day in wrestling history in 1999, Rick Rude passed away. Oh. Uh, he was 40 years old. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Very old. Right. Um, Rick Rude was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, whether, you know, I'm sure most people either saw his WWF or his WCW stuff. But he was a guy that was kicking around like Memphis and Florida and Texas for many years before he got his first national exposure. Um, you know, and it was one of those things where he popped up on TV. I had recognized him from seeing him on ESPN. And just like Macho Man years earlier in WWF, when like Macho Man came in and immediately Jesse, Jesse Ventura is like, this is my guy. I'm putting him over. When Rick Rude came into WWF, Randy Savage had just turned face. So now Jesse needed a new guy, and it was Rick Rude. Yeah, and and when I first started watching wrestling, when wrestling began in 1990, that was kind of like height of powers Rick Rude. You know, that was Intercontinental title run, that was feuding with Jake, feuding with Warrior, that kind of stuff. That's like 88 and 89, but okay. Oh, okay, well, maybe, I, you know what it was? I'm getting confused is because... You would watch the videotape. Yeah, that's what it was. I was going and consuming as many VHS as I could at Montage. So even though wrestling did not start until 1990, you were watching two- to three-year-old tapes in 1990. So that counts as wrestling that happened in 1990? Uh, no comment. All right. <laughs> I recuse myself from answering these questions. And, and we're not the show uh, to discuss the rumor and innuendo of what the cause of Rick Rude's death were. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just say it was a tragic death. Uh, by any way that you slice it, you know? Absolutely. Do you think he would have had, like, uh, like if he had not died, like, wasn't he gearing up to to maybe void the Lloyds of London, or am I getting confused? Like, was he trying to get back in the ring? Um, He was definitely, like, starting to take bumps and stuff, which he wasn't supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it definitely felt as though they might have been angling towards something with him and Perfect as a team in WCW, because that's how they skirted around um, animal and his Lloyd's of London policy that animal after he signed and cashed out his Lloyd's of London thing, he went back to wrestling, but he never wrestled singles matches again. It was always tag team wrestling. And it was like some sort of weird loophole. And I think they were, and I think it was on that road to his return that led to um, the issues that caused him to uh, pass. Gotcha. They don't do those contracts anymore, do they? The Lloyds of London, they got burned too many times. I think they got burned too many times, yeah. Oh, because I was looking into getting one. 
<laughs> just because, <laughs> just right? because, and then if I then I'll I'll cash it in immediately. I won't even leave the building. <laughs> just be like, oh, I can't wrestle anymore. <laughs> Sir, you've never wrestled, ah, but still. <laughs> Pull up your uh, matches with uh, the Iceman Donnie Brass or whatever the hell that was in World <laughs> Star Wrestling, you know? Yeah, I'll just show him a bunch of bulking season footage. Yeah, and that's me. Just squint. <laughs> exactly. Let me take your glasses off, ma'am. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so also on this day in wrestling history, 1997, again, like I said, we're going to be bump- jumping around a little bit, um, was from Rochester, New York. Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment presents In Your House, Revenge of the Taker. Okay. Um, pretty shitty show. Um, outside of being the debut of Rockabilly, you just said it was a shitty show, and then you said Rockabilly debuted. It that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Undertaker Mankind is a good match. Definitely not one of their better matches, but still really good. Um, main event Austin Bret Hart. Uh, the WrestleMania match is the more memorable match, but I'll make a bold statement and say this is a better match than the WrestleMania match. A show main evented by Bret Hart, and you're pooping all over it. No, I'm saying this match was better than the the WrestleMania match. No, I get that, but I'm saying, like, if that match was so good, and the WrestleMania match was phenomenal, mm-hmm. so if this match was better, that should prop the entire show up. Does not. Does not work that way. There could be a one-match show that is simply a one-match show that I would say, I'm not going to say go back and watch uh, a washed Road Warriors taking an Owen and the Bulldog. I'm not going to say go watch the full the Sultan beat Flash Funk. I'm not going to say go watch Savio Vega beat R- Babyface Rocky Maivia for D- by DQ in an Intercontinental title match. And listen, it's the debut of Rockabilly, and even at the time, like, I ironically liked it because it was so bad, but that uh, match ain't good, you know? Uh, this yeah. is also the Undertaker-Mankind match where, um... They try to do the fire. They try to do the flash paper, and it doesn't work. Okay. Do you remember yeah. this or no? I, I vaguely remember, because I've seen all these pay-per-views, but I never went back and watched them again, you know? So the way that it's supposed to happen is is um, they're supposed to throw the flash paper at Undertaker. Undertaker moves, and it hits Paul Bear, right? Mm-hmm. And it has to happen, because Paul Bear has to get burned to lead to... Him, you know, bringing in Kane. Like, this is the impetus for him bringing in Kane. It's the fire. It's the everything else, right? Yeah. So both guys are so sweaty, and they're fumbling around with the flash paper, and whatever, whatever, whatever. So it just gets to a point where Undertaker just goes and gets the piece of, like, he pins Paul Bear down to the corner, puts the piece of flash paper on his face very clearly, like eliminating the magic of the fireball, okay? Mm. Puts the piece of flash paper on Paul Bear's face, holds it there, light, light, light with the lighter, finally gets <laughs> the lighter to go, and then puts the lighter to, moves his hand, puts the lighter to Paul Bear's face, and the flash paper goes up in his face. <laughs> are you Are you implying that the Undertaker was kind of overrated and messed a bunch of stuff up. Yes, I am. All right, good. I like it. As a lifelong Undertaker fan, yes. Fucking Uncle Taker. <laughs> uh, also on this day in wrestling history, um, we have our head-to-head 1998 Raw versus Nitro. Um, you know, Raw coming off winning uh, for the first time in 83 weeks. 
Uh, we get a taped show because that's the world that we're still living in. Um, we get um, a bu- look again. No good matches. If you look at this match listing, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's Dan Severin versus Mosh of the Headbangers. You know, <laughs> um, it's Terry Funk and Two Cold Scorpio, who I love, going to a non-finish with Bombastic Bart and Bodacious Billy, or whatever the hell, uh, of the New Midnight Express. Right. Yeah, the good Midnight Express. Right. So we get a bunch of sports entertainment stuff in here. Triple H the whole night is hyping up that he's going to whip his dick out and piss on the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes out wearing the long flashers trench coat. And surprise, he just sprays everyone with a super soaker. Oh, he got us. <laughs> um, For weeks, Undertaker had been lamenting whether or not he should fight Kane. He already fought Kane at WrestleMania. But this program must continue. So Kane and Paul Bearer have brought the Undertaker's parents' coffins to Monday Night Raw. One they light on fire, and then the other one they chokeslam the Undertaker on. And you can see, like, the fucking Halloween store skeletons that are in them. (laughs) No, I'm going to be honest. I was just shitting on the Undertaker, like, a... uh two seconds ago but yeah that like i fondly remember that like I, you you can't be trusted to be the barometer of like the 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 realism of stuff because you have way too critical of an eye you know whether it be wig work or cgi or whatever i don't remember that as being oh crap look at the the terrible skeletons i just remember it as being that's kind of cool that he's getting choke slammed through the coffin of his parents the 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 weeks leading up to this the grave site that undertaker was going to to talk to his dead parents was very clearly a set like, uh, it wasn't even outside. It was, like, AstroTurf and f- smoke machines, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all of the Undertaker grave sets, though. I, I guess. Um, but in the main event, uh, Dude Love and Steve Blackman, uh, Vince, Mr. McMahon, comes out and does commentary. And in about three minutes into the match, Dude Love has Steve Blackman in uh, an abdominal stretch. And in a less-remembered homage to the Montreal Screwjob, the bell rings, and Dude Love is declared the winner of the match. Ah, Steve Blackman got screwed. And Austin comes out, and it's a big brawl with Austin and Dude Love leading to, you know, their match at the upcoming pay-per-view, you know? Yeah. Well, at least that's the only time the WWE ever played off of the Screwjob. Mm-hmm. Right. One time... Uh, you know, six months after it happened, and it'll never be brought up ever again, right? Exactly. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, we have uh, Monday Night or Nitro. It's the night after Spring Stampede. Nitro still three hours. We're still filling out the show with matches like the Barbarian versus Wayne Bloom and Conan versus Gentleman Chris Adams. Um, but there are some things of note that happen on the show. Uh, this, the, the night before at spring stampede, Raven defeated his hated rival, uh, diamond Dallas page for the U S title. And on thunder the week before Tony Giovanni told us that no matter who won that match at spring stampede, they would be defending the U S title on nitro against Goldberg. And this is Goldberg's 75th win. And he beats Raven for the U.S. title. Boo. Another reason to hate Goldberg. Boo indeed. But I will say uh, this is a fun five-minute match with all the 
the Raven bells and whistles dog and pony show to accentuate all of Goldberg's strengths and hide all of his weaknesses at this point, you know? Yeah, this had like 75 run-ins, didn't it? Yeah, like the entire flock gets laid out by Goldberg during the course of this match. Gotcha. Um, I didn't realize Raven... Did Raven have another WCW United States title run? No. Okay, because I remember having a WCW game on the N64, and when you first got it and you loaded it up, like certain wrestlers were already champion in the game, and Raven was the United States champ. It might have just been that when they decided to do... Well, you if you remember... Um, that was the game where Raven ends up on the box art for the game. Yeah, so probably Revenge, I think. Yeah, because one of the one of the developers was a big fan of Raven. All right, so that's why you put the strap on him. Yeah. Okay, it makes sense. Um, also, we have, uh, you know, the night before, Spring Stampede, Macho Man defeated Sting to become the new World Heavyweight Champion. And now here on Nitro, Macho Man gets his one-day reign. Uh, after Hogan beats him, not after an assist to Hogan by Mr. Hitman, who now is six months into the company, came in against Hollywood Hogan, has wrestled exactly four matches on TV in the last six months, and is already turning heel to be third behind Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, and Brutus Beefcake. But are the checks clearing, Joe? I guess. So, Mr. Hitman's pretty smart, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Until he gets in the ring with a certain large, bald guy, I guess. Yeah, but we're still like a year and a half away from that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there was something interesting that did happen on this episode of Nitro. And I did promise Adam and myself that anytime any of these moments come up, I would play them on the show. Um, and again, Adam, I'm going to ask you not only to listen, but I also want you to look at the crowd specifically while you're watching this. Okay. All right. As you see, as I start this clip, there's a young Danhausen right over, uh, <laughs> Jericho's shoulder. Coming to Denver and the Coliseum on Monday, August 3rd. Tickets at all Ticketmaster outlets. Look at these dupes. Look at that young lady. I know you're digging the mahi-mahi. Sure, you know, so. I've erected this shrine to Dean Malenko because I respect this man more than any other. And I have an update on the status of Dean's career, and it's a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is Dean has definitely retired from pro wrestling. Boy. He will never, ever step into the ring again. But the good news is, he's got a job interview at Harry's Burgers in Tampa, Florida tomorrow. And as soon as he finds out if he's got the job, I'll let you guys know. So, Dean, <laughs> this one's for you, little trooper. Thank you. <laughs> we don't believe that, and you fans obviously don't believe it as well. But the man with the trophies has a new addition. Oh, what a dick. Jericho was back then. I love it. <laughs> So what was I supposed to be watching in the crowd? I saw one guy telling a bunch of people to sit down. No, I wanted you to look at the the, the dopey meatheads with the pro Jericho signs. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there was something else that was going no. on. I was the, kind of, the young lady jumping up and down. I, I caught that. Trust me. Right. And then uh, young Danhausen in the crowd as well. <laughs> Good to see it. Good to see it. All right. Now, 
Adam, we're going to go back. I know we talked before about you and your discussions of professional wrestling, but we're going all the way back to 1986. Mm, all right. And there's a show here, and I'm not going to – listen, and you can see this is a very big match listing, right? Looks like an AIW card. <laughs> <laughs> On the podcast today, Thorne said – uh, all the shows going forward are going to be eight matches, except for the two on the pre-show and the extra <laughs> match that he adds. But anyway, eight matches. Um, but instead of me reading this entire card to you, Adam, yep. I'm going to let the people on this card tell you about this card. Oh, all right. This is Jen Rednick, and I'm here to say we've got the greatest wrestlers in the AWA. But you're not here to listen to me mumble. Let's fill you in on the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Get on! Wrestle Rock, be there. <laughs> With the Midnight Rockers, Sean and Marty. We love to wrestle, and we love to party. You don't have to worry, we're not gonna bumble, because we'll be shaking to the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! <laughs> Wrestle Rock. I'm the chic and that's not funny. I got my army a lot of money. If Ganya in my way, I make him crumble. He be sorry. I did the Wrestle Rock Rumble. It's one take, you're fine. Wrestle Rock, be there. I'm Jerry Blackwell, I want to see. I want to get my hands on that pencil neck geek. Cause I watch the EDF fumble. I'm gonna make my splash in the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> you broke that piece of plywood. The you, me, and Wrestle Rock. Good bump on that though. Yeah. Uh, Sean outside. Yeah, man. This is Nick Blackwinkle, and I've got a passion. I'll get the title back from that humanoid Hanson. I've got the brains, and I'm not humble. I'll take the belt back and do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Blackwinkle's like oh, yeah. at this point. He's the best so far. Wrestle Rock, eighty-six, be I'm Larry Zabisco, I won't be through Till I get done clapping around Scott too. Gonna beat the ugly bartender into a bundle And laugh all the way doing Wrestle Rock Rumble Ow! This game dog got a mouth that won't quit But I'm Scott that you wanna smack the little shit when I'm through, you won't be able to mumble. I'll be left alone doing the Rapper Rock Rumble. Yeah. Fantastic. I think he's a former boxer. Just one last word from the former champ, Vern. But give a lot of thought to one more turn. There's some old scores that still give me trouble. And I'm starting to get the urge to do the Rapper Rock Rumble. Brody not even selling for the So there you have it, and now you know him. And on April 20th, it's at the Dome. So get your ticket to be under the bubble, because you two can be doing the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Do it! Rumble. Rumble. Alright. Again, we, we can just watch this whole thing again. Have you ever seen that before? I was gonna say, I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> okay. I love it too. And I'm going to say this had to be like 2014. Okay. Mm. And I pitched to Chikara to build up for like the next iPay-Per-View. Like we just, do, we do a lift of this, right? And when I brought it up to Quack and other people and people that should have fucking known better, they looked at me like they had never seen this before and I was making this up. <laughs> and I, well, anyway. Uh, but, yes, that's yeah, one like, of my I, favorite I, videos on all of YouTube. I, I hate to acknowledge that that popped me because of when it came out, but I think I can make a caveat to my rules that any r- wrestling didn't start until 1990, but entertaining things might have happened before then. Like that yeah. wasn't wrestling. That was that was that was the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm I'm glad I'm able to expose you to things that you've never seen before. It just makes me it makes me just want more to be like I'm gonna make Adam watch more old wrestling stuff, right? Like I've definitely seen. I might have been in a GIF. It might have been in a still photo. Hennig and Hall getting out of the pool. Yeah. Like, that image is burned to my mind, because, you know, they're handsome men there, but, uh, and there might have been a couple other, like, shots, like maybe Rick and, uh, or, I'm sorry, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels in front of the microphone, or, you know, but never in its entirety, you know? I'm glad I was able to share that with you. And last but not least, Adam, I told you we're, we're, we're finishing strong here, okay? Mm-hmm. This day in wrestling history, 1996, ECW from the ECW arena held the Hostile City Showdown. And if you look at this card, Adam, it looks like your standard ECW card. You know, you got the babyface Dudleys taking on the Pitbulls, Taz versus Devin Storm, Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio versus uh, the Hall, of, the the Bad Place Hall of Famers, Ron and Don Harris, Ronald and Donald Harris, uh, right? Um, but this show is very infamous for one thing, Adam. Okay. And again, it's going to be another longer clip, but that's okay. I think you'll be okay with this. This is how we fill out the show. I'm fine with it. Shitty that canvas is with all the blue tape all over it. Add to the charm. This hurts you, Raven. I don't care if it hurts you, Tommy, because I promised the world that tonight the truth would be told. Shut up. I'll drop you right now. Do you know what this is yet or no? I do. Right. Those nights, Tommy Dreamer, when we were driving down the road, sucking down cold beers, and you were crying, franchise, why won't Bullet take the test? Why can't I see the test? It's not because of any other reason, but she was not pregnant. Look at sad Scotty Flamingo there. <laughs> He's the goddamn champ, and he has to take a back to this nonsense. 
network version for me. <laughs> Directly off the scam side. Adam Van's special Hall of Famer, Bueller McGillicuddy. <laughs> There's Gary, smoke more Gary taking a picture, right there. Oh shit. I wonder if Gary still has that picture. <laughs> I wonder if he has this picture. <laughs> I know I do. Again, this is very visual right now, but again, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to know here in a moment. <laughs> And I forget how that angle gets dropped, but it's dropped like maybe like a month later because it caused them to lose a bunch of TV stations that they were paying for. They were paying to be on TV. And after this, a bunch of the stations are like, even though you're paying us, we can't show your your smut on our airwaves anymore. Yeah, we can't show like one guy kissing two girls. <laughs> That's the thing when they showed it on TV because th- this is one of the ones that got a full like VHS commercial release, whatever. When they showed it on TV, they did like the the credits over it, right? So you couldn't actually see them kissing. Okay, and it still got them pulled off a bunch of stations. Hmm. I'm trying to remember how I originally saw it. Like, I, I remember seeing it uncensored, but I don't well, know. I bought the videotape. Well, that's you, but I mean, I didn't buy any, any ECW tapes. Yeah, I bought a uh, Again, if it was if it was for sale, I bought it. You know, I was a uh, ECW, uh, you know, 95, 96 is like the time, man. This is this is when it was the best promotion in the world as far as I was concerned. No, yeah, I 100% agree. And like, I was watching that and I, I know I've said this before. Shane Douglas deserves the same level of credit as the rest of the guys in ECW. And I feel like he doesn't like these days. Like, obviously, he's no Raven, but he doesn't get brought up in like the Tommy Dreamers or, you know, even the Bully Rays, all these ECW originals that are like still around in the business. Like, he's not on the same level in fans' eyes. But like, Shane Douglas in that era, he was my guy. Like, I thought yeah. Shane Douglas was the absolute best wrestler on the planet like there was times where i liked him more than Shawn michaels so we could debate this um i'm actually 96 97 uh shane douglas is who 99 2000 triple h ripped off his whole character and look from but let's not go there (laughs) um so we could debate why shane doesn't get the same whatever right and it's really for two reasons so in 99 um, R- Shane leaves ECW overpay and he's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Dreamer stays to the bitter end. Um, the Dudleys don't stay, but they come back and they do spots for ECW until the dying days. Um, I'm trying to think like Sandman, same thing. And because Shane Douglas, pro- like Shane Douglas went and did XPW, who was like the ECW rival, the West Coast rival. 
Um, I think that's part of the reason why uh, Shane ends up going to WCW. Um, not to say that he was the only one who did, but I think it was Shane going to XPW was the thing that made him. And oh, and he badmouthed Paulie when he left. Um, now, granted, Dreamer in 2001 said that he wanted to go to WrestleMania and shoot shoot Paul Heyman and and himself. Um, not but, that's clearly not as bad as going to XPW. Clearly not as bad as at breaking the barrier, saying that Paul Heyman. I know you're gonna. I hope you're sitting down when I say this. Ripped people off. What? <laughs> Promised the money and didn't deliver. Um, <laughs> caused multiple people from Shane Douglas to Taz to um. Candido and Tammy Sitch to go into debt while they were paying for people's travel for ECW shows. And Paulie was like, oh, yeah, I don't have a credit card. I'll get you guys later and never did. Um, someone better than me can probably go and pull up like the court documents to see how much money was owed to those people. But it was like tens of thousands of dollars, like like oh, like close to one hundred thousand dollars to a person that ECW owed, like people like Shane Douglas, Chris Candido, Tammy, you know, Sitch, all these people, right? Yeah. Um, and it was because Shane was like one of the first guys to go out there and publicly talk about it and go to XBW is why, you know, he doesn't have that same, because like Dreamer and Bubba Ray and all those guys are all still buddies, so it's like still all brother-brother, you know? Yeah, like if one of them's booked, they bring in another one or something like that. Yeah, and then when the ECW revival shows started happening in like oh five oh six, Shane Douglas ran like competing ones to them, right? Okay. So you know it's kind of just always been there. You know Shane Douglas like cashes in on ECW when he can, but he's not included in the same crew with Ray Deadly and Tom Dreamer, and you know maybe that's for the best. You know maybe he's just. So full up with multiple bookings on Thursday nights that he's getting tons of offers and has to try to uh, strong arm other promoters who already had him booked for months. But that's, you know, another story for another person. Now, we are in the era where if you had a pulse and you worked in wrestling, you're probably going to get in the WWE Hall of Fame. Do you see a day that Shane Douglas gets in? Never. No? Never. Like, even, like, Vince is dead, and, like, Shawn Michaels isn't running NXT, and, like, it's a whole different regime. You don't see it? Shane would have to outlive Vince, Shawn, and Triple H. Yeah, it's not a bad, (laughs) not bad odds. (laughs) It's not, it's not, it's not good odds either. Hmm. Yeah, it's a shame because it's again, like even the keeping like the Trump shit out of it. There are much less worthy people in the Hall of Fame every single year than Shane that, you know, than Shane Douglas. I'll say. But again, I'll stick to my guns. And okay, so I'll add one more name on there. Shane Douglas will need to outlive Vince, Shawn Michaels, Triple H and Paul Heyman. Okay, again, like it's uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's tough to call, but I mean, uh, it's not bad odds. It's an opportunity. <laughs> saying it's not good odds either, you know. Yeah. No, I hear you. All right, I was just, I'm just an asking questions guy, you know. Yeah, I know, I know you and your questions. 
Fair enough. Well, that's that's all for this day in wrestling history. Like I said, a very busy, big day in wrestling history, which I always love, especially after the week that we've had in the world of uh, current day sports and entertainment. Yeah, because this week has been like I remember sitting down to write my notes and I was like, there's really nothing that I care about. I was I was really going to spend five minutes breaking down Cora Jade versus Gigi Dolan on NXT this past week. Uh, but you know what? Luckily, I don't have to talk about that because just a couple hours before we went on the air, something hit YouTube that I literally ran to watch. And I am. Was happy. it the Wrestle Rock Rumble? It wasn't that. I, you know, I'm going to save that to my list so I can go back and watch it again. But the VCW match between the Boar and Logan Easton Loro finally hit uh, YouTube. So I watched that. Uh, their battle for the Virginia Heavyweight Championship, and like obviously we talked about this when it first happened. We gave the Boar his flowers, uh, but I wanted to watch the match. You know, like I would have loved to have seen it streamed live or have been there. Jealous of Mister Tim on that one, but like I did give it a chance to watch it, and even though I knew what was going to happen, like I was kind of at the edge of my seat the entire time, and. You know, I didn't do a bore bumperometer because, you know, the match magnitude was significant that any bumps that the bore did would have been the right amount of bumps, if that makes sense. But there was a spot in the match. And now, did you get a chance to, to watch it yet? I, I did not get a chance to watch it. I saw that it went up and I made sure to pu- push it out on social media. But I, I'd been running down and I didn't get a chance to, like, sit down gotcha. and devote the time to it. You know, like I was listening to stuff. All right, I, I won't spoil certain spots, but there was a, a spot where Logan does a counter to one of Boar's signature moves where I did like a I literally yelled out, oh, shit. Like it, it was a, a move out of nowhere. Very impressive between the two of them and the finish of the match. Like, I, again, I don't want to spoil it. And if you guys out there listening to this haven't had a chance to watch it, the show account retweeted it. I'm sure the Boar's account has it retweeted. Uh, like the finish of the match was awesome too. The, my only nitpick is after the Boar won, he didn't tell everybody in the ring to get out of there so he can celebrate like HBK style. Like he Ugh. shared the ring with a bunch of people, which I don't like. I think the Boar should have been in there by himself the entire time. But really fun match. Both guys like hands down. Like it was, it was phenomenal. Like I'm not like. I am biased because, like, you know, Boar's my buddy. I've met Logan a bunch of times. He's cool as shit. Um, but, like, this was, like, a really good match. And, like, I've never seen a VCW show before. And, uh, like, the commentary was really good. And, like, the camera work was really good. There was a lot of great spots that they captured really well. So uh, go out of your way to watch it, not only just to support the Boar and Logan, but it was a fun match. And, like I said, VCW puts on a decent show. Yeah, like I said, I, I will be watching it either after we're done recording here this evening or first thing in the morning over my coffee. But I do have it queued up, ready to go uh, in my YouTube playlists because I'm an old, and uh, I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of my favorite things, it's only like 15 minutes. Like it doesn't like <laughs> I like short wrestling matches. You know me. I do. Um, so, um, you know, you have that. To discuss um like i said this wasn't the best uh week of wrestling um because the only thing i really have is something negative oh all right go ahead and um the the longer 
the four pillars angle for the AEW world title goes on, the less and less I care about it. I agree 100%. Um, so I think Max is overrated. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not as good as everyone says that he is, right? I think mm. he's overrated. And most of his programs have been built off the strength of the other people that he's been in those programs with. Uh, Moxley and, you know, Danielson, Danielson. and to, yep. to a lesser extent, Jericho and Cody, right? Sure. So now, how good is, is Max good enough that he's able to get over not one, not two, but three people that are on the fringes of things that don't have national television exposure with another company. And I would say, no, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I didn't look at the minute by minute numbers or whatever it is, but I I like Darby just fine. And I I like jungle boy just fine. And Sammy is married to take Conti, but this program ain't making me want to see any of them beat Max. I don't believe that any of them are going to beat Max. And this story just feels like it's wasting like a ton of TV time. Now, again, I, listen, I'm not going to say like, oh, because of this AEW sucks. No, you know, there was good stuff on the AEW TV this week. I thought the Commander Jay White match was really good. I thought, um, the the Hobbs versus Wardlow match was good and that they're setting up the next challenger. Granted, I wish it was Christian and not evil Kane version of Luchasaurus. But, you know, we got to start trying to rebuild Wardlow up if we want to have him challenge. You know what the peak of this whole four pillars angle was last week on TV where I thought Sting was going to face MJF for the title? And then <laughs> Sting immediately said, like, oh, I'm going to be wrapping it up soon. So I'm putting all my support behind Darby. And I'm like, aw, Sting, I'd rather see you fight literally anyone else. But (laughs) you know what I mean? Than what we're going to get. Yeah, uh, this was easily something that I I, I thought about talking about, but I'm glad that you touched on it. And when I, much like everybody who watched that opening segment, I was bored to tears. Because not only have we been getting this or something like it for the last couple weeks, but I felt like Jungle Boy really dragged it down. Like, Jungle Boy needs to take the mic away from him. Uh, Like, they're all bad. Like, Darby's not great on the mic. Sammy's not great on the mic. And and Jungle Boy's not great. And to that extent, they all make MJF look like a million bucks. So if your goal was to put MJF over, having those other guys talk definitely does the trick. But Jungle Boy, in my opinion, is the worst promo out of the bunch. And I... Max played this off on Twitter as a way to get heel heat, but like myself and I'm sure a lot of the fans of AEW were hoping to get a four way. And this tournament nonsense, the tournament of three people where like one guy randomly gets a buy. And then all of a sudden after weeks of Sammy cutting promos about MJF being a dick and not being worthy of being champ, all of a sudden because of a blank check is now just a, a like in the pocket of MJF. I hate the fact that, like, just have a four-way for the title. Obviously, MJF, as you said, is going to retain, but it's more interesting in saying, here's the four pillars all wrestling in one match. 
have go out there and have a banger, accentuate the strengths of each one of the people instead of just having, oh, I don't know, it's going to be Jungle Boy versus MJF at the pay-per-view. I personally don't give a shit about that match or if it's Darby against MJF. I'm sure it'll be a fine match. I don't give a shit. A four-way I would have at least been more entertained by. So, yes, they need to stop with these four-way promos. Stop letting people who are not good at promos have 10-minute long promos. And this this tournament was ill-advised. And I'll say this. I, I do hope that this is the main event, the last match on the pay-per-view. Um, because as soon as this match starts, I'll be like, hey, hey, guys, I'm going home. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. need to sit here and watch this match that I'm not invested in in the slightest. Yeah, you could beat the traffic leaving the DJ compound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all that's right. literally all i got this week all right i have one other thing and i actually reached out to you in a rare bit of show prep that i share with you yeah <laughs> and asked you to do something but uh news broke yesterday not really news but like there's talk about it yesterday and i think we all saw this coming that after wrestlemania it has been tradition and now there's a merger so there may be some releases coming in the WWE. And obviously we can say, okay, Hit Row's gone, and then the Killer Carrying Cross is gone, and all these other people are gone. But I asked you to make a list of like five or six talents on the WWE or NXT that you would like to see get released. Not, oh, I want to see them lose money or anything like that. Let's assume they're going to make the same or more money. But you would like to see release from the WWE and have a run somewhere else, whether it be AEW, New Japan, uh, like a hot indie run. And I tried to get you to stay away from top guys. Like, obviously, you could be like, oh, man, I'd love to see Roman Reigns in the, you know, in AEW. But uh, I hope you put together a little bit of a list and we won't spend a ton of time on it. But I kind of want to, like, name somebody and then, like, explain what you think would be a good fit for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So, if you would, why don't you go ahead and start with one of your guys? Alright, so, I gotta, if I'm starting with one of my guys, I gotta start with two of my guys, okay? Okay, yep, that's fine. Uh, we might have some overlap, we might not, you know? Okay. Uh, so, who I'd like to see get released, and unfortunately, like, the way that it ended up working out was, it was a bunch of NXT people, right? Okay. Um, not, ended up not being any main roster people. They were on my list, but when I was looking at them, you know, um, Julius and Brutus Creed, okay. um, they need to be released and they need to go and live in Japan for like a year and wrestle everywhere that they can in Japan and then come back to America as the like new version of the Steiners, Doc and Gordy, the Road Warriors, whatever 80s, 90s ass kicking Gaijin tag team there was. Like, imagine them just going over to like from the biggest Japanese promotion in New Japan to the smallest Japanese promotion in Heat Up, and them just ripping mm -hmm. through people, coming through the crowd. Just the crowd, you know what I mean? Just th just the sight of these two monsters, what they could do in Japan and getting that additional seasoning and working with different people and working different styles and just getting that experience outside of a warehouse in Orlando, I think would do them a world of good in making them better wrestlers for the rest of their lives. 
Okay, I like that. I, I looking at my list, most of my guys, uh, spoiler, are main roster people. But uh, speaking of Japan, my first person on my list is Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, okay. This, this is somebody completely, you know, after having an Intercontinental title run maybe a year ago. It's been a while because obviously Walter's the, the guy now. But, like, completely left off of WrestleMania weekend. Uh, really hasn't done anything in a long time. He was on the Mudo show. But, like, this is a guy that if he was released, you know, he he should be a top guy. I could see him going back to New Japan, having a run there uh, against a lot of people that weren't around when he was there. And, you know, imagine Shinsuke Nakamura on Forbidden Door or even in AEW against, you know, anybody from Kenny Omega to, to Darby Allen to whatever. Uh as long as he's in WWE, he's going to have a bunch of start and stops, and he's never going to be a top guy in their eyes. So I think Nakamura, while he's still young enough, I'd like to see him have a run. Okay. So um, I would like to say this uh, to you. As you say that Shinsuke Nakamura, as he is young enough. Um, uh, yeah, you could point out that he's probably like 60 or whatever, but what I mean is I don't want to see him be like at the very end of his career where he can't move in the WWE and then okay. try to go to Japan. That's all I'm saying. Shinsuke I'm not implying Nak- he's 30. Shinsuke Nakamura is 43 years old. Okay. Which is that's- young in wrestling. Okay. That's number one. Number two. Remember before when I made the remarks about Brett, the Hitman Hart being in WCW for six months and he's wrestled four times on TV and now he's fourth guy down in the NWO black and white. And you said, ah, wrestle smarter, not harder. Oh, I bet the checks are still clear and right. Joe, the, the, spe- the spirit of this is who would you like to see <laughs> go elsewhere for your enjoyment? Oh, okay, for your enjoyment. I think Shinsuke Nakamura likes wrestling once every three months um, and living on the beach and getting to surf as much as he wants. Yeah, I, again, I don't care what he wants. Just what I want. <laughs> Maybe the Creed brothers like wrestling once a week in the in Orlando. Maybe they're Disney bros. You don't know. All right. <laughs> if we're going to pick apart everybody's thing, go ahead. What do you right. got? I just wanted to pick that one out. And I'll, I'll no, they're only the going to get worse. So you're, <laughs> you're all right. Go ahead. All right. My next one is uh, Roderick Strong. Okay. Uh, Roderick Strong hasn't been on TV for NXT in almost a year. Um, his wife is already in AEW. All of his friends are in AEW. And I think he would be a perfect fit in an already bloated roster of <laughs> AEW, A-Show, B-Show, Punk Show, and Ring of Honor. Yeah, I have Roderick Strong on mine. I have Ring of Honor slash uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. Like, obviously, yeah. if Cole's off doing his thing, Kyle O'Reilly, obviously, uh, Bobby Fish is not around, thank God, but you can stick Roderick Strong with, with cool Kyle. Uh, but yeah, Roddy is one of my guys as well. I oh, he was on him. your list? He was, but I, I have alternates, so I'll, I'll bust one out in a minute. Uh, my next one, and again, you can pick these apart. This is just partially for my enjoyment, all and right. partially morbid curiosity I'm going to go with on this one. I would like to see Dolph Ziggler wrestle outside of WWE to see if he is as good as, A, he thinks he is, and a lot of the internet used to say he was. You remember Dolph Ziggler was an indie darling for years and years and years as being, like, one of the 
best guys in the WWE that never gets his his like run. I want to see Dolph Ziggler or whatever Nick Nemeth or Ryan Nemeth, one of the what's his shoot name? I don't care. I'd like to see him get an indie run. Now, I don't know. I don't want to see him go to AEW, but an indie run, possibly Japan. Let him sink or swim. Does he get completely devoured, or does he like shine and prove that, like, okay, he has been misused over the last couple years? So uh, Ziggler's on my list as well for a slightly different reason. Okay, um, Ziggler is on my list so that him and Broski can be the 2023 version of Jimmy Snook and the Metal Maniac, where they just take their lazy, shitty, touring, big-name guy, big name guy match from 10-plus years ago to every indie around the United States, <laughs> and then just rake in a ton of bucks. They finally get to pay off their program that they t- tried to shoot in WWE that got them both de-pushed by a bitter old man. <laughs> they can finally sell off all those DZ slash ZR like coasters that Broski right. made. <laughs> but like I said, Ziggler was on my list. Okay. Completely different reasons, but I like that there's some overlap here. Do you want to go ahead with one of yours? Yes. Uh, so another one of mine that I had, because again, let's say we're counting the Creed bro- uh, the Creed brothers as two people, right? Or one person, right? Because like yep. I'm not saying just send one, I'm sending them both as a tag team. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say send, get rid of Wendy Chu as well. Uh, she was involved in an angle or storyline in an NXT, and now I don't think she is. I think she's just wrestling random matches on level up. Okay. And I think what you do is you bring her in, you, you let her sit off, you start building the program now that once we get to the Wembley show for AEW and you do the mixed tag match, of RJ City and Renee Paquette taking on Stokely Hathaway and Wendy Chu. I love that idea because then I could put Renee Paquette as an active wrestler into the Adam Van Special Top Ten. There you go. Perfect. That that is that's I like it for that reason alone. All right. Um I'm going to go with and I said to stay away from main eventers, like top guys who definitely won't be released, but I said you can choose one. And I'm going to say Finn Balor because I've never seen Finn Balor wrestle outside the WWE system. When he was in Japan, I wasn't watching Japan yet. I didn't start with the the Bullet Club until AJ Styles was the the top guy in that. So by that point, Finn was already you know in NXT. I would love to see one last run of him in AEW in New Japan. Uh, wrestling against all those top guys for a lot of the same reasons I said Nakamura, but uh, I just think that nothing against the Judgment Day stuff, but I'm a big Balor mark, and I'd like to see him wrestle some guys that can keep up with him and not, like, you know, broken down Rey Mysterio. But broken down Rey Mysterio is still pretty good. Um, Well, Compared to a lot of people in WWE, yeah. Yeah, I I think Balor, like, even when Balor is done, I don't think Balor's a lifer in WWE. Um, I think whenever he is done in WWE, he's going to have one more, like, Japan run left in him, you know? Yeah. Um, And my last one, because, again, we're at five, right? Yep. My last last one that I would like to see released is Dante Chen, (laughs) so that he can get booked in AIW, and Ed can go get a picture with him. 
Has Dante Chen, like, I know you're kind of lapsed. You're, as we say, a couple episodes behind on NXT. Has he been on television I since, think he like, was 2. on. An, I think he was on an episode of Level Up maybe two weeks ago. Okay, but I mean, like, real NXT. That's Which not is, real. That's not real NXT? Level Up? NXT. Is that, that's like YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, all right. Well, th- I don't think he's been on real NXT in a very long time. Yeah, like if it's not, trust me, I don't watch the televised NXT. I'm certainly not going to acknowledge the existence of a YouTube version, but like you have to at least be on the, the TV version to exist. But good for Ed. You know, I, I would like to see him get a Mark photo with them. He My was, last- okay, okay. Uh, not to interrupt. So Dante Chen was on an episode of Main Event against Cedric Alexander a month ago. He was in a battle royal um, for a North American title shot on regular NXT three weeks ago. And then he was on the episode of uh, Level Up two weeks ago. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll acknowledge the battle royal. Not that I, like, I didn't watch it, but I guess, like... Main event! Main event is, like, filmed before Monday Night Raw. Yeah, well... I saw an episode of Main Event being filmed, and it left me wanting. All right. Uh, All right, my last one, Joe. Now, hear me out. This one's a little bit out of left field. You probably won't expect this coming from me. I'm going to write it down on a piece of paper and hold it up (laughs) to the camera. I'm going to put the camera on for a second. (laughs) All right. Am I saying it before you you turn on your camera? No, hang on. All right. I want you to realize that, you know, I could see this one coming down the fucking freeway, you know? All right. Well, you don't have to go through all of this. I get all it. Right. But uh, <laughs> my last one is one of the most underutilized and wasted talents in the history of professional wrestling. And that is Miss Alexa Bliss. <laughs> this is somebody who was a multiple time world champion until Ronda Rousey went and got all Goldbergy on her and gave her a concussion. Wasted a year of her career. And then what happens when she comes back? All right, they turn her baby face. That was fine. A moment of bliss. Great stuff. Had the host of WrestleMania. That was all fine, but that was years ago. She's been tied to the albatross that is fucking Bray Wyatt uh, and all of his starting and stopping. So the last time we saw her, which was months ago, she was starting to be tied to Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy and all that crap. No, enough of that. Let her go. She doesn't want to be there. You don't want to use her. And I think a perfect spot where you can hide a woman of her talents is the new leader of the outcasts in AEW. (laughs) I think you get rid of Soraya. Everybody else moves down a peg. You put Lexi in that spot and the world doesn't miss a beat. In fact, AEW probably moves up a bunch of notches. Uh, you go from one woman wrestler with like a, a, a lead singer boyfriend to another, but this one light, less problematic. Uh, way more fans than Paige has. I think that that's just a, that's perfect for both companies. When you said that you know the perfect space for her, I thought you were going to say under the floorboards of your kitchen, but okay. <laughs> AEW leading the outcasts is a good second choice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Uh, again, that's just wasted talent right there. I think you got to let her have a run. Let her let let her show the kids what she can do. I, I will say after this, I, I, I at first I felt when Adam had first emailed me about the, this that this was going to be his stealth way of getting to talk about Alexa Bliss on the show, and it was. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even think about her when I first thought of this silly little bit. But mm-hmm. after I sent the email, I was like, oh, well, this is an obvious one. I was going to put Johnny Gargano in there, but I don't think uh, some of the other companies want him. So he needs to keep his head down and stay in NXT. Mm-hmm. Don't <laughs> let Vince find out that he's still collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Especially All with right. the bubble, especially with the bubble bursting on uh, Funko Pops, you know, <laughs> his entire investment's gone. But Joe, I don't know if you are aware of this. There's a bunch of indie shows this weekend. There is a bunch of indie shows this weekend. Am I supposed to hit the music? I think so. Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That's right, Joe. This Saturday, the 22nd, it's the Saturday Night War which is something I just made up. But according to Instagram, the most trusted source of free content from Chatterbait Cam Models, AIW <laughs> AIW Damn is this weekend. Joe, do you know the card? Can you tell me how many matches are on the card? Uh, as best I can tell, there are eight announced matches, one of which is an open challenge. So I'll just leave that up there for you. Okay. Uh, we have bulking season versus money shot. The main event. Yep. We've got, uh, Bitcoin boys open challenge for the tag titles. That's two. We got, uh, PME representing the little Italy boys, uh, taking on Josh prohibition and M dog 20 in a steel cage. That's correct. Uh, we have Dom Garini taking on Fred Rosser. Nice of you to not forget Dom this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, see, you, now you interrupted my flow. All right. Um, okay, so we have uh, Steph DeLander taking on Ziggy Heim. That's correct. Uh, four-way for the intense title? Maybe. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> okay. Yes, there's a four-way for the intense title. I got Derek. Yep. I got uh Chase Oliver Scramble God, yep. And that's all I got. Uh Shaw Mason okay. and and Filthy Tom. I forgot that Filthy Tom is in there. Okay. Um I know Kaplan has a match against one of the new kids. Sam Holloway. Hardway Holloway. Sam Holloway. I listen, I apologize. I, I'm still not up to date on all the new kids, you know? Yeah. Um, no Wes Barkley match, right? I don't think Wes is on anything. Not that I saw, unless he's a surprise for Elvac. Fingers crossed. He's not. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um, main event is, uh, JB beating the brakes off the real Stiffy McGee, Broski himself. And that, that's eight, Joe. Oh my goodness, look at me. I, outside of not remembering the names of some of the students, I think I did pretty good. Yeah, Tom Lawler, the student. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let him know you said that. Um, 
All right, Joe. And according to Instagram or Twitter or sometimes Facebook or sometimes just hearing from you, LVAC Let's Hang Out is also this weekend. Joe, do you know that card? Well, okay. So, I again, it's my job to know the card. Yeah. So, I do know the card. Um, I'm going to put the card down and see if I can remember it from memory. Uh, we got... Cheeseburger and Eat It Surreal, who I'm dubbing the LVAC Mega Powers, taking <laughs> on newcomers Starlight 17. Yep. We got Big Dan in a handicap match against Jakob Hammermeyer and Bojack. Former gender-neutral monarch competitors in that match. Yep. Yes. I got a text from Jakob Hammermeyer today letting me know that he'll be in town. And I said, I know I'm booked too. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Batiri taking on Jeff Cannonball and Puff. A.K.A. Club Soda. Uh, Young Jay Lee taking on Mach 10. Yep. And the poorly advertised... Oh, oh, no, there's six matches. And then there you said... That- now, see, that's the thing. So you say there's five matches, and unless something got canceled, I, no. I, I have memory of six matches. I don't believe I said how many matches. There are Oh, okay. Uh, Clara Sierras versus a newcomer whose name is, like, KZL, KLZ, something like that. <laughs> KRZ 98.5. Uh, KZT. There you go. I knew there was a K, I knew there was a Z. Uh, then there's an eight person tag that is Lucky, Havoc, um, a new girl whose name is like Harleen Lopez. I have Harleen in my notes, but go Okay, ahead. and I can't remember the fourth on that team right now. And then the babyface team is Razorhawk, Ultimo Ant, um, Jazelle, and Sassy Boatwright. All right, you got that team right. And the person you're forgetting on the heel team is Broski Adjacent. Oh, Leo Sparrow. There we go. We talked about him before we started recording because he's a new. Yeah, yeah. But again, that match got like stealth announced on Facebook only. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, when you sell up the show, I guess you're like, oh, whatever. We're just going to kind of sort of announce matches, I guess. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to then, you know, Sokol's will be hanging from the rafters that night. Right. And I don't you couldn't pay me to th- know the names of the band that are playing. <laughs> It's it's the sound that's happening as you're shaking hands with people and leaving. <laughs> yes. Uh, but both shows taking place on Saturday. Obviously, the AIW show is live uh, on uh, Fight TV. I got a teaser for like the opening of the show from the boss himself. Oh, nice. And I got the lineup for all the meet and greet guests for the rest of the year. <laughs> Ooh, we will talk when we get off the air. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if it's anyone that you'd be interested in. Let's just say that. Well, I'm interested in a lot of things. Yeah, you certainly are. <laughs> um, what the hell else was I going to say? Um, like I said, those Sokols, it'll be out on like VOD and DVD shortly after. Um, that's typically a show that you got to be there for, man. Yeah. Now we talked about last week, you know, the experience of the LVAC shows. It's, it's yeah. They're definitely better in person. For sure. And I'm very much looking forward to this one. Cool. Well, right. Joe, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, you want to get into phone calls or what were you going to have me do? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do uh, phone, two calls. phone calls and then we'll talk about homework, huh? And the Patreon. Right. Yep. All right. First call. 
Hey there, Joe, Adam, it's the other JB here. Um, just calling in. Um, you know, unfortunately gonna get it done tonight. Um, it's Wednesday. Um, but, um, you know, not the best episode of Dynamite. Um, Chris Jericho's around doing whatever. Um, but that got me thinking. I don't know as much about the, um, career about Chris Jericho. So I would, um, you know, like to, like to get a little bit more, um, especially the WCW, uh, cruiserweight stuff. And I know that he was in ECW for a little bit. So if you, y'all have anything there, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, and, uh, thanks to Monsoon Classics for the drive about the Hollywood Blondes, um, Two Cold Scorpio and, oh, I forget Back. who the last guy in the match was, but that was a, that was a fun match. Um, really like that edition and all of the ones that you, all had mentioned those were fun as well. Alrighty, thank you much. And and I'll say I got taken to task by uh, Mr. Marcus and Mr. Tim for not mentioning the Luger Brian Pillman match uh, yeah. from Halloween Havoc or whatever it was. So in my mind, for some reason, I was stuck on the Luger um, Steamboat match from all from Great American Bash. And for some reason, I was just racking my brain. I'm like, I know they had a high-profile match, and I just couldn't think of it. And it was just like a brain fart at that time. But yeah, like Luger's 89 stuff, I'm going to make Adam watch it after I make him watch Sid's run in ECW. <laughs> yeah, and I remember hearing that on uh, on Final Wrestling Place, them talking about that. And when I had pulled up the Google list of the best matches... Uh, that was like the next one that I was going to say before you were kind of like, all right, let's move on. You know, so it was almost getting mentioned. And I, I realized when they said it, I was like, ah, oh, you got me there. But so, so JB asked about uh, Jericho matches and he specifically cited WCW stuff. So uh, you're Mr. I dressed as Chris Jericho this era 25 years ago. So I defer to you, huh? Well, I can't name like when they happen, though, but it's like you could just basically take Jericho versus Malenko, Jericho versus Psychosis, Jericho versus Hooventude, uh, like any of those matches of the clips that we've been playing over the last couple of weeks during his God run as Cruiserweight champion. Those all stand out to me there, you know? So I'll say so I'll say this. Were these Jericho matches good? Yeah, the 98 Jericho was awesome. But as good as his matches were, it was the promos and the mic stuff and the character stuff that was so much better. Um, you know, you, you got the Hoovy match from Super Brawl 98, um, where he beats Hooventude and Hooventude unmasks. That's great. Um, we've mentioned it here on the show. Um, there's the Cruiserweight Battle Royal from Bash at the Beach 98, right? Mm -hmm. Highly recommended. But again, is that a good Jericho match? No, but it's a fantastic Jericho performance. Um, and then you have all the stuff that happens on Nitro after that. And again, not to give away any spoilers, but like if you just hunt down the Jericho segments from the Nitros in between Bash at the Beach, which is the June pay-per-view, and then Road Wild, which is the August pay-per-view, you got like a great set of stuff there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the build to Jericho versus Goldberg after that is great. You know, is it a great match when it finally happens? No, because no match ever happens because Goldberg refuses to wrestle Jericho because he sees that he's below him. But Jericho busts his ass to try to make it work, you know? 
Yeah, all the um, Ralphus stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's when the Ralphus stuff comes in, and it's all segments on TV. Um, and then Jericho loses the Cruiserweight title. He then ends up winning the TV title, and at uh, Halloween Havoc that year has a hell of a match with Raven, um, like an unannounced pay-per-view opener with Raven, and that's really like the end of Jericho's run for the most part in WCW. Mm. Um, you know, like I think he loses the TV title like Stevie Ray, <laughs> and like that's it. You know, then he's kind of like just off TV because they're like dicking him around on his contract. Yeah, so JB, if you like look on YouTube for just the like best of Chris Jericho WCW promos, you could probably get one continuous thing that's probably 15 minutes long and you can get all of the little bits that we've been playing uh, over the last couple of weeks. And like if you're pressed for time, watch all of those and like as Joe said, you get the experience of Chris Jericho and then go look for the matches. But I think if you're going to say if I'm going to say matches, um Super Brawl um, which is February 98 against Hooventude, um, Bash of the Beach 98, which is the Cruiserweight Battle Royal, and then October 98, Halloween Havoc, the TV title match with Raven. Yeah. And, uh, JB, I, I apologize for the mean things I said about your promo abilities earlier in the show. You're still the best looking of the four. Th- that is true. All right, next call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's Tim. Happy week. Uh, on my way getting breakfast before my super secret science job. There you go. Uh, hmm. Going to probably go get some McDonald's and get a, a steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Hold the cheese. Um, you know, bagel was a topic of conversation this week, but that's not why I'm calling. So I had this genius idea to ask the question to the comic book dudes. Um, and also, this could be a, a uh, voicemail for DJ and Brett over at Weenie. Who more so DJ, because Brett's not a comic bookman. But, Joe, I know you've mentioned before uh, your idea for, like, Chikara and Flashpoint. Um, but I'm curious if there's, like, any other comic book-related storylines that you think could play extremely well as wrestling angle um i would love to hear this here or behind a paywall perhaps uh or however however else it happens uh but love you love the show uh kiss your homies and uh i will catch y'all next time I i have one right off the top of my head joe go for it all right so if you're gonna do something you need to do it right you need to, if you're going to copy comic books, you should copy the best comic book story of all time. So what you do, God damn it, is you take like you take like a top guy who's like maybe like a baby face champion who's just running roughshod over a territory, but he realizes that maybe he's not the wrestler he used to be. So he takes under his wing an apprentice. And that happens a lot of times. You know, you have a veteran helping out a rookie, you know, that kind of stuff. And he's training the rookie. And, you know, maybe the rookie is actually better than the veteran. And eventually, after just match after match after match after match, the the top guy babyface gets taken down like he's just he's all tuckered out maybe and like he gets injured by like a really big bad like a heel uh and, and then 
the babyface rookie needs to take the mantle of that top guy and actually just kind of takes the gimmick. But I don't want to see he takes it like he improves upon it, Joe. He makes it better. He might even be the best version of that. And then the new rookie as the top guy, he defeats not only the big bad that defeated the the champion, but also like everybody else and like everything, nothing bad ever happens to him and he wins forever. Uh, so obviously I'm talking about redoing Nightfall, but it's perfectly acceptable to do that in wrestling because it proves that the the young upstart is the better talent. That's not how the comic book story went. In, in my mind, it is. Right, in Let's, your mind. The comic book story. And again, do you, do you know why that happened, Adam? Why, do you, specifically what? Nightfall happened. Uh, to, to sell comic books? Well, yes. To, to but, copy the death of Superman? Yes, but the to get darker to get darker and be like the '90s to to rival like Punisher and Venom and Ghost Rider, right? Because they were getting lots of letters into the letters column saying how come Batman isn't like Punisher? How come Batman isn't like Venom? How come they're Batman isn't right? So they're like, all right, well, let's do it and see what the fans think. And they're like, well, we can't have Bruce do that because it would go against everything that Bruce is. So they they gave they bring up bargain basement Batman and they have him do all these things. And uh, outside of you, Adam, would you be surprised that the fans hated it? I I think that you're wrong about that. We are mm-hmm. at the thirtieth anniversary of Nightfall, as this one podcast I listened to talks about. And I think uh, uh, I have seen in many places on social media that we are in the hashtag Golden Age of Azrael. So I think a lot of people have a fondness for the story. So okay. Okay, you and Shane Hagedorn, and that's it. Well, that's two pretty good people right there. Uh, well, let's say one good person. Um, Don't be mean to Shane. <laughs> but, Tim, I could sit here literally for hours and talk about different comic book stories that you could adapt. And obviously you can't take them whole cloth, but, like, you can do a deal like Acts of Vengeance, right? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that comic book story, Adam. I've heard of it, but I never read it. Acts of Vengeance essentially is the villains get together and they say, okay, well, we, you know, like we have a tough time beating our own villains. Why don't we like our, like our adversaries? Why don't we switch adversaries? You give me all your secrets and I'll try to like use my workings and figure out a way to beat your hero for you. Right. Okay. Like Magneto gets all of like bullseyes information and goes after Daredevil, you know, like things like that. So, like, you could do a thing where, like, a bunch of the heels get together and, like, man, we've been trying to take down these baby faces that never works. I have all these things that don't work. And, like, one heel's like, oh, maybe if you do this this way. And then they just switch who their rivals are, right, to screw up the baby faces. Um, You you do a storyline. You mentioned Nightfall. I say Death of Superman. Obviously, you can't kill someone, but people died in Chikara. But somebody (laughs) gets hurt, you know, and he was, like, the big white meat baby face of the promotion. He gets hurt. And then you have four newcomers come in, all under masks, all under outfits or whatever, and they all claim to be that top baby face who got hurt. And then the reveal is, like, is it one of these four new people that came in? No, he finally comes back under the new persona with the black suit and the mullet, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can do secret invasion type thing 
where all of a sudden, like, certain baby faces start acting weird and different and strange. And again, Secret Invasion essentially just a ripoff of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And then it's revealed that the, like, there, it now is the time for all the baby faces that were replaced by heels. Their plan is to come together. And now all of these baby faces all start acting heels. And, like, did we just see, like, over the course of, like, two or three or four shows, the top baby faces turn heel? No, because the actual baby faces come out and confront the baby face versions that turned heel, and we f- we find out that they got like replaced or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, of course, a lot of this is filtering through my Chikara brain because I spent so much time in the Chikara bubble, but like I could adapt any comic book story and make it work for wrestling. I don't know why more people don't do it, and I think it's because the people that do it get too far up their own asses about it, you know. Yeah, and wasn't I, I'm pretty sure I heard this from you, or correct me if I'm wrong. That a lot of times people get killed in Chikara. Obviously, we saw that through a lot of our rewatches. But wasn't there a plan to have like a Blackest Night storyline in Chikara? There was a plan to do a Blackest Night storyline. They did like. Um, <sighs> and while you're thinking, I was just gonna say for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Blackest Night it was a DC storyline where like every character, whether it be a hero, villain, or supporting character who died over the years, basically came back as zombies. Right, and, and they wouldn't come back as zombies, but they would come back as evil. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, like, like, and, exactly, an evil. And version. I think it ended up being like obviously people would die in that era of Chikara because they were getting out of wrestling they were hurt they got a job with another company or whatever it was and i think there wasn't enough people to line up um you know That's whatever yeah. yeah um i know maybe like maybe not the last year but the year before in chikara um it was essentially inferno um like like x-men's inferno where like there was a bunch of people that got infected and all turned evil and turned like it was a whole bunch of baby faces that specifically got turned evil by hollow wicked Mm. and they all like started to like look and dress and change their gear and everything to look more like hollow wicked and it was like all a bunch of baby faces it was like icarus and mr touchdown and this one and that one and then all the other baby faces had to band together and originally it was supposed to be all of the ants coming back together but they couldn't get enough of the ants to come back together so they just like mocked up whatever baby faces they could be to be like the knockoff avengers huh okay and that's what happens is you get this idea and like you plan it out so far in advance and you involve your entire roster and you really can't involve your entire roster in this. It has to be like, you know, a little small part of the storyline so that like if you can't get eight people on each side to blow it off in a big cybernetic at the end of the year, then it doesn't work. You know? Yeah. People aren't under contract. You can't. It's not like WWE or whatever. But like All I said, right, cool. I, yeah, thank you for the call, Tim. Absolutely. All right. Next call. Hello, guys. It's the strongest man on the land, Arthur McArthur here. A uh, couple things to discuss. First and foremost, uh, AIW is back in Akron this Saturday. Padmore Shrine. If you haven't already, get your tickets. It'll be a great time. And if you can't get tickets or you just can't make that drive, watch us on Fight Plus. It's going to be a wonderful show. Adam, you and I know what to do. We're going to take on Money Shot, and we're going to take our claim back in this division. Now, in a topic of uh, not wrestling, uh, I just watched the uh, Super Mario Bros. movie. Um, I I thought it was fun. Nice little tribute. um, Lots of references I think some of us might have missed. But I thought it was an overall pretty fun film. Uh, I will say 
I thought it was rather short, and they could have done a lot more with it. But uh, what, what are your guys' thoughts? And, you know, do you think maybe we get a Nintendo universe in movies after this? I just really don't want them to make Legend of Zelda the same style, because I think that has to be a little more serious. But that's just my opinion. All right. Love you guys. Love you long time. Have a great weekend. Joe, I'll just say I, I listened to your recap on Longbox Heroes this past week. I have not seen the movie yet. Oh, okay. But it's I'm not fun. worried about like spoilers or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. If you played a Nintendo video game uh you know, since nineteen eighty five to current, I think you'll have fun with it. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I I disagree with Artie. I was perfectly all right with the movie being an hour and a half long. Like not everything needs to be two and a half hours plus, you know, let's have it be a nice snackable film, and it's crazy that we say that a 93-minute film is snackable. Um, and if you have, like, kids in your life, you know, like, children of your own, nieces and nephews, younger cousins, um, you know, take them to go see it, and I think that will enhance your experience as they're just going nuts for everything that they're seeing, and they're going to point stuff out to you that you're missing, you're going to point stuff out to them that they don't get, because it's, like, it's referencing the Bob Hoskins you know, Super Mario movie that's, you know, 30 years old this month. Or, um, you know, like, oh, his ringtone is the GameCube startup sound. And, you know, maybe your kid never turned on a GameCube uh, Nintendo, you know, system, right? Yeah. It's fun. And I, I could see them doing more Mario stuff. but I could, And I could see them doing more Nintendo properties. And I think eventually they're going to have no choice but to cross them over. But I'm with Artie. That you could do a Legend of Zelda animated feature by DreamWorks Illumination, whoever this is, and it shouldn't have to cross over with the Mario stuff, but it eventually will. It, like, I'm dream booking this, but like, if I pictured an animated Legend of Zelda movie, I would want like a dark, darker thing. Like, not like, oh, it's R rated or anything like that, but just something like. Uh, like it can't be all bright and like DreamWorksy, like where it's like computer graphics and everything. Like I, I'm just picturing in my mind, what was that Disney movie that came out? Like, like uh, the, oh, I have I don't have my words for it, but um, anyway, I want grim and gritty for a Legend of Zelda. You know, it needs to be darker. But. Uh, I don't think it needs. You can. I think they could get away with towing the line of barely being PG thirteen without getting a PG-13 rating and have it be, like, little kids scary. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what I was thinking about before when he was talking is I, I used to love Mario games. I still do, but, like, I haven't played one since the Wii. I think the last one I played was Mario Galaxy, and I'm really itchy. Uh, even uh, I wish I could just go back and play, like, Mario Sunshine or Mario 64. I need to get, like, an emulator. They, um, for the Switch, they released, like, a three-thing compilation uh, that I think is Mario 64, Mario Galaxy, and Mario Sunshine. I don't have a Switch. So Go buy a Switch. <laughs> you know what my problem is? Just uh, nobody asked, but with the Switch, they came out with the system, I believe it was 300 bucks, right. and it's portable, or you can hook it up to your television. And I said to myself, I don't want that because I have zero use for a portable system. Like, I'm right. never going to be someplace where I need to play a handheld. So I was like, why don't they just come out with a cheaper version that doesn't have the screen on it? 
and then I'll buy it. So what happens a year later, they come out with a cheaper version, but this one, instead of taking the screen off of it, it doesn't hook up to a television. And I'm like, well, that doesn't solve any of my problems. So if they came out with a Nintendo Switch that just hooked up to the TV and didn't have a screen on it, I would be all over it because I just want to hook it up to my TV and then just download old Mario games, like you said. That's the olds. They're not selling to the olds. The reason that they did the Switch Lite is because they found out from their market research that I think 70% of first-year Switch owners were using it as a portable system. I get that. And yeah. when you have to decide what your next generation of like things that are going to be on the shelf is, you go with that market research. But yep. at this point... They've sold however many switches that they're going to sell, and obviously they get little boosts when you know more kids are spit out or they break their old ones. Uh, but like at this point, you want to try to reinvigorate your sales for the holiday season or whatever. Come out with that third version for the olds because no. nostalgia sells too. So what they do is they obviously like the new Zelda game is coming out in like a month, mm-hmm. right? And they do a bundle of the Zelda game. And it's a special skinned version of the Switch that you can only get if you buy the Zelda game. And there's people who will just buy it for that. And they sell different skinned versions and they sell exclusive versions of the Switch. That's the, the, the device itself is skinned a certain way. But like we're the household where we're looking at buying a separate, a second docking station so that like when my kid is doing whatever he's doing, I could go and take the switch, put it back on the TV in the living room and I could play my old man games on it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like again, I'm not buying a switch for $300 just so I can play Nintendo or Mario 64. You know, like I need it to be uh, again. I'd rather bootleg it and do it that way, which I'm not going to do because I'm also lazy. But I, I miss those those Mario games. You can get a Nintendo. You can get a Nintendo 64 and Mario 64 probably at a used game store for less than three hundred dollars. Well, but for three hundred dollars, I can buy a Switch. All right. Well. And then it's like, what am I going to do about playing Mario Sunshine? Then do I have to buy a true. GameCube and and the controllers and that? I'm not giving you my GameCube. I'm never getting rid of that. Can I play Luigi's Mansion? Can I come over one of these days? Do you have it? Uh, yes, I do. And no, you can't come over. Oh! <laughs> All right. Next call. Thank you for your call, Artie, by the way. Yeah, good luck this weekend, bud. Yes. Uh, and listen, I say whether win or lose against the money shot, guys, I don't know who's answering the open challenge for um, uh, fucking Bitcoin boys. Beat them up in the parking lot and just take the open challenge. It's an open contract. Just fucking take it, right? Yeah, and I will take care of the Duke. Exactly. Good luck there. Well, I'll try. (laughs) He crippled poor uh, observational banter training today, so. Oh, shit. All right, next call. Next call. Hey, guys. It's Jayhawk. It's Thursday, as you probably figured, since you guys record on Thursday. And I'm going to hear a little bit annoyed at some things, as usual because I woke up this morning. And the main thing is the announcement of Dak Carwood ending its podcast. Now, I don't care if Dak Carwood hack a podcast, doesn't have a podcast. I didn't listen to it anyway. So I don't care that the podcast is going, podcast ending. I'm upset, though, at why it's ending. A bunch of these freaking internet trolls don't understand that the guy can allow to have a platform to say what he wants. And if you don't agree with them, you don't have to say anything. 
Well, they want him fired because he supports CM Punk. They want him fired, or yeah, because he doesn't disagree with everything Jim Cornette says. But then they bring the, then they bring his family into it. They bring his freaking daughter into it. Somebody apparently told his daughter that called his nine year old daughter a whore. If you're the type of person, whether you're trolling or not, whether you're serious or not, that you're gonna call a nine year old girl a whore, go fuck yourself. Like nobody needs to hear that. Freaking nine-year-old girl doesn't even, probably doesn't even know what sex is yet or has a very rudimentary understanding of it if she does. No fucking reason for you to even bring the family into it. Shut the fuck up and get offline. Go get a late or something if you're capable of doing so. I'm sorry. That, that just annoys the crap out of me. Hope you guys are doing well. I just need to vent a little bit. We'll, we'll put the all heat, no heaters in post-production. <laughs> <laughs> There's no post production on this. We got another show to record when we're done here. Thank you for your call, Jayhawk. Um, I did not hear or see any such thing about um anyone calling Dax Harwood's nine year old daughter a whore. Um, I'm gonna do some investigating when we're done recording this. Um, out if we take that piece out, let's just say we'll agree to disagree on this one. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I do agree. Like, don't fucking target some dudes' kids just because you don't like them. But you know, whatever. I can give two craps about his podcast. And but I said it again, I really like FTR in the ring. Uh, I just don't want to hear what what FTR bald has to say outside the ring or in promos. I guess that's about it. I'm excited for him to get El Cabong by Double J this Saturday on Rampage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, All right next, next call. call. Hello, guys. Kevin here, and... Hello, Declan. Declan. Hello. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> so, Declan just had his first drive ever through the Lehigh Tunnel and was talk, telling me all about it, not realizing I've gone through as well. And then when I told him that my good friends Joe and Adam were in the Lehigh Valley, he wanted to know more. So, guys, <laughs> for Declan's sake here, can you tell me some of the beauty and exciting things about living in the Lehigh Valley, including something coming up this weekend, I believe, as well? Thank you, guys. I'll play this for Declan later. All right. So I'll listen to it on my own and then play <laughs> your answers without swearing Thank Adam. What? So it's age appropriate. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> age appropriate for nine year old. And also for anyone else listening, subscribe to the Patreon, read my blog posts and let's all enjoy some wrestling this weekend. There you go. I guess. Nice. You will. <laughs> oh, that was shady. Good job. What is Declan's YouTube channel? He's been putting up a bunch of his Pokemon playthroughs on there lately. Oh, nice. I think it's I think it's called Declan X Plays. D E C L A N X Plays. Go look up his stuff. Uh, Kevin's a good guy. I've never met Declan before, but Declan's a good kid. Um, again, I don't want to expose the business, but like we don't live in the Lehigh Valley. We just live near the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, it's the thing that we've talked about many times before that everybody just assumes that Pennsylvania is like all within 20 miles of each other. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> um, but 
Um, you know, obviously uh, for Declan, when his dad would drive him through, you know, there's lots of good pokey stops everywhere that you go in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Um, Dorney Park is in the Lehigh Valley. Um, would Knobles be considered in the Lehigh Valley or close enough to the Lehigh uh, Valley? It's kind of halfway between here and the Lehigh Valley, maybe oh. 60% there. Like, it's closer to them than it is us. Okay. So I'd say those are two good ones. Yeah. Um, if you go to the Lehigh Valley, statistically, you probably won't run into Dan Champion, so that's a good thing. Oh, like, come the, on. The odds of you seeing him is pretty low unless you know where you're looking, so that that's good. Dan's a good guy now. Come on. Uh, not to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, there's uh, there's lots of targets and Walmarts on the way to the Lehigh Valley, and I look for toys there. So like, if you want any wrestling figures, make your dad buy those. Um, I found a lot of AEW figures at those targets, so that's a night. That's a thing. Oh, and the Mahoning uh, Drive-In uh, is in the Lehigh Valley, right? Oh yeah, that's actually that's pretty good. That's yeah, it's one of the it's one of the biggest and oldest uh, drive-in theaters in the world, still standing. I just found out recently that some of the bigger ones out in LA closed this year, or closed like at the end of last year. Um, so, like the more and more of them that fall off, the bigger and bigger a deal it is that Mahoning is still standing. They show movies there, I think five, if not six days a week, almost, and they show everything from the filthiest, goriest movies that you'll ever see in your entire life to marathons of the Muppet movies, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely something for everyone that they show there, and they always bring in, like, people that were involved with the movies, guests, they always bring in vendors to sell appropriate things for whatever movies they're running there. Um, So, yeah, Lehigh Valley's, uh, you know, not too shabby, I guess, huh? Yeah, and I actually, uh, I just looked into it on Facebook recently. There's going to be a toy show early next month in the Lehigh Valley. Is that the one uh, in Easton at the Palmer Center, or is that somewhere else? Uh, I, it's impossible to find right this second because I RSVP'd as maybe as opposed to going, <laughs> so it's not showing up in my feed. Um, but, like, yeah, there's always, like, decent toy shows in that area and nothing up here. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's something cool. And when you get a little bit older, Declan, you can go to Steel Stacks. They have a casino there. Oh, that's right. Oh, and the Crayola factories around here, too. That's a fun one. And I'd say that's age-appropriate for Declan as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and neither of us cursed, but as I say often, uh, we're giving you permission, Declan, to drop a uh, drop an F-bomb, if you know what that is. So go ahead and do one. <laughs> I'd like to think Declan is pure as long as he stays away from the rest of uh, Kevin's friends that he's probably never heard any of that sort of language, you know? Yeah, keep that kid away from Matty Treats and uh, what's that other guy? The educator. He never beat anybody, but... uh... (laughs) Now, I'm going to say, Declan, you're going to want to have your dad turn off the radio because it's pink button time. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, see radio. That's how you listen to podcasts, right? The radio? I think so. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, I had a show come out this week, and that's that's the first time in a minute. Kind of. And um, I w- wanted to say that um, thank you for the money for the show. <laughs> and um, Adam, if you try to cut my pay, you'll be talking to my lawyer, Terry Skittles. Um. <laughs> So 
I just want to I just want to plug that. I want to call and do an Eric the actor and just plug a thing. Yeah, Haya Bussy. Um, and just in case it hasn't been talked about yet, is I uh, listen to it on Spotify only right now. I'll figure it out. I just don't want to. I want somebody to do it for me. If we're being really honest, I just want somebody to do that for me. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I'm not built for that mentally. Um, Kurt said that uh, we're the Kenny Omega and CM Punk of podcast because Kurt's uh, really good at it, and I uh, mentally break down at the first obstacle presented in front of me, and that's very true. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, hopefully you guys listened. Hopefully you liked it, and uh, yeah. No one next month. One a month. That's it. I don't want to do one a month. That's a lot. <laughs> it's overwhelming. I don't know how I did this weekly. It's ridiculous. Okay, bye. <laughs> all right. Before we comment on Hayabusa and all things involved, yes. I don't look at the calls. Ed called a second time. Let's just play Ed's calls again. Let's play his next call just so we cover any redundancies that may come up. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, Joe Adams at again. Um, I just wanted to clear something up real quick. See? I know that I said on Twitter, and I think on Twitter, for sure, privately to a bunch of people, that um, I don't care if people like Hayabusi because I it's uh, it's just for me. Um, and that's only half true. Like, I, if you guys like it, that's great. But I know a bunch of people won't because it's fucking weird. And that's fine, too. It's, uh, it's definitely not for everyone. But there is a list of people that I do hope like it, and I wasn't truthful when I said that I don't care if anybody likes it, because I do care if these people like it, and I just wanted to get that list out into the world. Um, Ashton Starr, Takeshi Masada, Belle Delphine, Joey Janela, Mance Warner, Dagoth Ur, Magician Sonichu, Max Landis, Derek Dillinger, Tony Khan, John Thorne, Cam Damage, uh, Justin Number One, Magnum CK, and Justin Wang. So hopefully they liked it. Uh, everybody else, though, I don't care if you do or not. Uh, oh, it's great if you do. Trust me, I, I enjoy that you do. But I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lose sleep over the fact that uh, this isn't. This isn't for some people. Um, okay, bye. All right, where to even start with that? All right, let me just address, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a silly little bit and make you play all heat, no heaters. But Ed, when we signed you to a one hundred and one thousand dollar deal, it was under the implication that it was a weekly podcast, and I feel like that needs to be addressed. So you send your lawyer, I'll send my lawyer, and uh, I have the most famous professional wrestling lawyer at my disposal. I have his card in the other room, but. I think that that's unfair, but I am also shocked that you, Joe, were not in the list of people that he cares about liking the show. I think he's kayfabing there because I'm pretty sure you're near the top of that list, right next uh, to Belle Delphine. Don't um, don't flatter me in that sort of way. Um, Ed knows, and I, you know, privately and publicly, I said to Ed that I very much enjoyed the show and how he was talking about how he was surprised that people not only were listening, but also were enjoying it. And I think this was Ed's realization that, you know, however weird Ed may be, and Ed is weird, we're all weird in our own way, but, like, this show is pure, unfiltered Ed from every aspect of it, right? The way that it was produced, the way it's released, and everything surrounding it. And I think because people like Ed, they were going to be predisposed to like this show. 
and I like this show. And I'll be honest with you, you know, obviously we still have the Patreon show to record and I have my editing and stuff to do and I have some other stuff to do. But probably before I go to bed, I'm going to listen to it for the fourth time before I go to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is it's it, it, so it, it, listen, uh, the, the the frequency of the show is between you and your fake lawyer and Ed and his real <laughs> lawyer. And you see how that works out for you now Ed saying he just wants someone else to upload the show for him. And I'm going to have to call bullshit on that because I will say publicly and privately, publicly, you and I and I think Dalton over at Catch My Grift and I think Charlie Butters have all offered to host the show wherever they wherever Ed wants them to just send him the file and we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And to date Ed has not done it. Privately since Sunday I have asked Ed that like we could call and we could do it over the phone and I could walk you through it or you could send me the file and give me your login and I'll just do it and then you could change your login when I'm done, you know, so that it doesn't have to be a thing. And it's been since Sunday and he still hasn't sent me the file. So I don't think he really wants it anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's part of the bit. Yes. <laughs> you know? it, it, it's like having a bar that's like in an alley with no sign. You know, like in Swingers, they say the coolest thing is that nobody knows that it's here. You know, and that's part of the Ed mystique. I was even going to go as far as to say when he and I were texting on the weekend and Monday, and when I was saying, just send me the file and I'll do it, and he would no sell me, I'm like, oh, what if the bit is there is no podcast? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that would be – and the only way that it's a better bit that it's only on Spotify right now, and he literally has not clicked one button on his Spotify account to create an RSS feed for it. And then what <laughs> ends up happening is, is, like, once that RSS feed is, like, created, like, the rest of the work just happens by itself. It's magic, right? Yeah. The RSS feed just starts getting out into different podcatchers, and people just take that feed and manually put it into their podcatcher of choice, and then the podcatcher of choice makes it available for other people to grab. It's a very easy process. He just has to click that one little button on his (laughs) Spotify account, and he won't do it. So, again, that's that. But what I will say is, when we're done with this and we're done with the Patreon show and all the shows are edited and done and posted and everything else, I'm going back to the call that Ed just mentioned, and he won't hear this until tomorrow morning, but I'm going to go through that list of people that he mentioned that he wants to listen to the show, and they're all going to get an individual tweet from the soon-to-be-named network <laughs> account of asking them to listen to the show. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know that we spent a lot of time, and I'm sure Ed will point out the last like couple minutes partially burying him. But uh, I just want to say, like publicly, like, and I'm not blowing smoke here. Like, I really, really like that episode. Um, I don't think it's fair that he won't let Kurt on the show. But other than that, like, it was a near perfect like 36 minutes. You know, like, uh, I've only listened once. I'm not a podcast re-listener as we've we've talked about before, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, like I said, I am a podcast re-listener, and because yeah. it's so short, it's like I'm dicking around. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk. I don't have any, like, you know, I could start, like, 
an episode of Between the Sheets for four hours, right? But I'm like, well, I got a couple things to do. I'm like, I got 36 minutes to kill. I'll just have it play in the background. And like I said, I've already played it like three times. I'll play it a fourth time tonight before I go to bed. Awesome. Yeah. It's a good investment by the soon-to-be-named network, even though I feel like uh, we're owed three more episodes this month. It's, pay- it's paying dividends, I would say. Exactly. He needs to send us the audio so I can get the ads put in so we can start making some money back from this yeah. thing. All right. Um, so we've already plugged the AIW show. We've already plugged the LVAC show. Um, we mentioned the Patreon. We're going to be putting up later on today, um, tonight, whenever, uh, the episode of us talking about the episode of WCW Saturday Night from January 22nd, 2000. That is correct. That'll be tonight's episode. And, Joe, would you like to know what you will be watching next week? As well, if there um, was any confusion as to what your next homework would be. The Marine Part 5. Marine 5 Battleground. The 2017 classic starring not only The Miz, Joe... But also, Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, Naomi, Maurice, and who's Lucy himself, all Heath Slater. Oh, baby. (laughs) This is getting good, Joe. (laughs) I would like to point out the soon-to-be-named network, the At Odds Patreon, uh, the original home of the marine reviews uh just in case anybody sees any imitators out there <laughs> and i was I was also pointed out to me as well um the long box heroes patreon the original reviewer and lover of uh megaforce the 1982 film starring barry bostwick uh-huh don't anybody else be horned in on a todd's <laughs> racket don't be ladling his warmth out there yeah, exactly. And speaking of movies, the thing that that completely threw me off during Artie's call when I was trying to think of the Disney, like the dark Disney cartoon, I was thinking of Black Cauldron. I remember that during the voicemails. So that's I, that's how like a Zelda movie needs to look. I assumed you were talking about or thinking about Dark Cauldron, but I didn't want to help you out. <laughs> you just want to let me hang there and just stammer and stutter for five minutes. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Teamwork. Appreciate it. But we will be watching the Marine 5 Battleground next week. And obviously, if you're a Patreon, we'll have uh, some directions on how to legally obtain that in our Patreon. Yeah. And obviously, we'll be talking about WCW Saturday Night uh, tonight. And I'll, I'll mention here as well, of course, uh, you can make any and all of your eBay purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Um. When you click on links to various merchants on this site and make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, we do have money for the first month, but they only pay out when that money is a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And we haven't hit that amount yet. They're letting it gain interest, is what they're doing. I guess. (laughs) But, Joe, you know what? Before we move on, we were talking about Patreon before. I believe we have uh, something to talk about, about something that might be coming uh, in the next month or so. Yes. Uh, So, again, uh, okay. Uh, So, as it stands right now, let's say that it's called Conversations with Joe, right? 
Yeah, uh, name pending. <laughs> name pending. The impetus is I'm reaching out to people because we're coming up with the 10-year anniversary of the Chikara film, Ashes of Chikara, and the Chikara shutdown angle and all that sort of stuff, right? So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going through my Rolodex, who can I reach out to, who's been involved in this, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and I do have lined up next month's interview. And next month's interview is with Derek Sabato. Now, you might be asking yourselves, who's Derek Sabato, right? If you watch mm-hmm. Ashes, he's got a small part in there. If you're a Chikara fan, you're an independent wrestling fan, you probably know who Derek Sabato is. If you are a wrestling observer and newsletter subscriber, then you definitely know who Derek Sabato is. If you listen to any of the Conradverse podcasts, then you definitely know who Derek Sabato is. If you listen to the Double J podcast, specifically the episode about Jeff Jarrett's heat with Stone Cold Steve Austin, then you 100% know who Derek Sabato is, as I narrow and narrow the focus down, right? Yeah. Um, But Derek is someone that I've known, you know, for the better part of the last 17 years. Um, You know, I I have a bunch of uh, ideas and things that we're going to go with. And like I said, I I had jokingly said to you and some other people that I go, we're going to spend about 30 minutes on his pre-Chikara stuff. We're going to spend about 15 minutes um, on his involvement in Ashes. And then we're going to spend a lean three hours of me asking him what what Jeff Jarrett is like. You know? (laughs) Just you be like, is he nice? Is he as cool in real life as it seems on TV? He he got, like, and whatever your opinion and our opinion, like, we've talked about it on the show, like, he got to referee a match and be involved backstage at the Ric Flair's last match show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when, you know, and obviously he's, he's, he's got a very interesting story in wrestling and you know, uh, not to give too, too much away, of course, with what I, you know, have planned to discuss with Derek, of course. Um, but, you know, last week or earlier this week, there was a whole thing of, of and fuck it, I'll just say it, Gabe Sapolsky and Effie both kind of prick-waving at each other about their Twitter spaces that they do, about their place in the world of professional wrestling and how they want to make independent wrestling better. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this, they're two different sides of the same grifter coin. <laughs> um, you, Gabe's path is not your path, and Effie's path is not your path. You could listen to them, and you could see how they got there, but the way that Effie got to be a success will not work for you. The way that Gabe got to be a success will not work for you. Um, if you go to either one of their seminars to listen, and you pay money and listen to them talk, you are not investing in yourself. You are giving your money away that could be better invested in yourself. If you're an in-ring performer, go to a school, do a seminar where you're doing physicality with stuff. AIW is doing a seminar with Fred Rosser this weekend. Uh, Cheeseburger at the Worldwide Dojo, if you're in the Northeast area, he's regularly doing seminars there where he's bringing in name people. Um, And even if you're not a professional wrestler, you're not an in-ring performer, you're not a referee, you're not a whatever, he's brought Bryce Remsburg in before, as has AIW, as has Time Bomb out in uh, the Dakotas. Cheeseburger has brought in Ian Riccoboni. He's brought in people from all different parts of the wrestling world. And their experience, their path to professional wrestling is not going to be the same as yours. 
I would feel more comfortable in you giving them your money to better yourself, your path in the world of professional wrestling than some of the other people that are out there that are more concerned about themselves and say that they're about giving back to independent wrestling than actually giving back to independent wrestling. All right. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty heated interview, like uh, interesting stuff. I have some ideas. All right. Nice. And obviously that will be coming uh, shooting for like middle next month. Yeah. Okay. And that'll be at the face of Patreon level, which is the $5 and up level of our Patreon. So at oddswrestling.com, patreon.com slash at oddswrestling. And, and that's the other thing, you know, and obviously there's not, it, it just kind of worked out that we got two lined up. Um, this could be the end of it, and it could get yep. replaced by something else. Um, you know, I, I, I've said that I have reached out to people who have told me no. Um, there might be more people that I reach out to, and they might tell me no as well, you know, and this might be the end of it. But yeah. uh, we're going to find ha- out. I do have in the Patreon description, like, obviously, there's the things that we've always promised, which is homework, which is the vintage at odds, the the Joe Sposo selfie of the month, which is really the thing that's driving the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I do specify the conversations with Joe is, is like when it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we, like you right. said, we're just lucky that there's been uh, one in the bank and one on its way already, you know? Yeah. And thank you to everybody that's signed up and has continued to to stick with us on that. Yes, thank you very much. Um, so, you, did you plug all the other podcasts of our friends and stuff? And I feel like just about everybody's gotten a mention already, but we'll go ahead. Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Wrestling Cheers, Wings on Wings, and Hi, is out now, and the host of Hi, Abusi is also on this week's Indie Wrestling Guide, so go check that out. That's right. Young Ed, young Ed, definitely not one of the little Italy boys. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go on to the best part of the show, Joe. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the hundred dollar Vansky. Figures will be bought. <laughs> Joe, I'm going to start things off with just a little bit of quick housekeeping. And that is last week when we did this portion of the show, uh, we talked about the speculation that there would be another figure added to the Nitro entrance. Oh, and I have it on the screen. I already have it on my end, so you don't have to look it up if you don't want to. But they did add the Scott Steiner Ultimate to the basic tier of uh, the Rey Mysterio for 5,000 orders. And last week when we recorded, I wrote it down, they were at 2,020 backers. And that was prior to adding the Scott Steiner to it. It has been an entire week. Joe, where are we at now? We are at 2,101. So 81 people in seven days. Uh, yeah, it's not getting made. Although I have seen some people like Fig Heel on Instagram, big uh, like almost as big of us when it comes to toy influencing. Uh, they posted a screenshot of the new gen setup 
where it was like the same thing, like 15 days away and it was just as far away uh, saying, oh, this is the same pace as the new gen. Yeah, I don't know. Four hundred dollars ain't two hundred and fifty dollars, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I know I flip flopped a bunch of times, but I'm firmly in the camp of it's not getting made now. I know um, on Broski and Hawkins this week, they, they, Broski, points a <laughs> lot of fingers at Mattel and Mattel Creations and WWE and so on and so forth for not doing as much to publicize this as they did for the new gen ring. I don't and, even feel like what did the new gen ring even get like right. from a publicity standpoint? Like it's it certainly wasn't mentioned on TV. Yeah. Um. Well, I get the social media stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they did do. They've done like I think since it's been rolled out, they've done two different Instagram lives about it, right? Sure. Um. But I remember last time for the new gen ring, Broski and Hawkins had Mattel people on to really hype it up and. I think the last time that the major wrestling figure account tweeted out was when the Steiner was announced on Friday. And that was the last time they tweeted about it. And I just think that the general feeling about this is just no one cares. Like just the way it is. Yeah. It's the defeat hit harder and faster on this one than it did on the new gen when that one was underperforming. Yeah. Yeah. Plus like I've said it on Twitter before, like I want this thing. Uh, and if it gets funded, I like if it's looking like it's getting funded, as I've said before, I will buy it. But I'm hoping it doesn't because like I don't want it to to be out there and me not own it. But I'm perfectly fine with it not being out there. You know, it comes from that. If I can't have it, nobody can type of deal. There you, you know, go. So, so I'm fine with it not getting made. Um, anything else about the Nitro before we move on? No. Um, I will, again, we'll get into weekly purchases in a second, Joe, but speaking of the major pod announced this past week, Joe is now a Bendy's guy. How many major Bendy Ravens can we put you down for one of each? No, just one. You're not going to buy a standard and a chase. No, just one. But I thought you were a hardcore. You'll take both. Nah, that's Tom dreamer. That's not me. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think I've seen texts that say otherwise, but um, all right. I, I too would buy the Raven. I would shoot for the chase. If it's like uh, the state, the most recent offerings where you can just order the chase. Uh, I will get that because, you know, you got to have the chase one, but, and if there isn't an opportunity to choose which one you want, you know, and it's just luck of the draw, I'm fine with the regular one, you know? Yep. Now, uh, Brian did say that this is going to be part of an extreme line. So I assume it's ECW people that don't have Legends deals. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess if we're going to get Raven. Uh, if you want to sell a set, you do Raven, you do Dreamer, you do Taz, you do Sabu. Probably can't do Taz like he's in AEW. Okay, so barring uh, Taz, let's do RVD. Uh, I think he has a Legends deal. Okay. <laughs> Sandman? Um, Why don't you just do Sandman? Sandman. Okay, there you go. And he, they've already done the thing with, like, Hacksaw holding the 2 by 4 so you can just do Sandman with the, the cane. Yeah. All right. I, I wouldn't want any of those other than Raven, though. But I, I... Right, neither would I. But 
I think if you do Raven and you do Dreamer and then you do a two pack, you do Sandman and like you know, listen, Sandman and Sabu had a rivalry, but you know, I'm thinking Taz, I'm thinking RVD, whatever. You do, you, and then you could do various two packs there. Like you could do a Dreamer, you could do a Dreamer Sandman two pack. You do a Raven Sandman two pack. You know what I mean? Like you could do a mix and match thing where mm. like they come in special packaging or something, right? I could tell you exactly what's going to happen. I'm looking at my crystal ball. They're going to reuse the Chelsea mold to make a Francine. So you say they'll do Francine and Shane. Like, if you're doing Francine, you got to do Shane Douglas. Well, that's that's another we talked about before. Shane's never getting a WWE figure. Yeah. And, and Brian's a fan. And and Shane has been on shows with Brian recently. And he's he has a major pod card, for God's sake. I could see that being an opportunity to get a Shane Douglas figure in people's hands. Yeah, that's true. And you already have the Chelsea mold that you can use for Francine. That that's smart business there. I could see, like you said, Raven franchise Francine, and then you know Thomas Dreamer or you know Sandman. Sandman's a, I think is a no brainer because they can do bloody chases for that and repaints out the wazoo. Yeah, I, I just I just have a feeling that you're going to definitely get uh, Dreamer, so you could do the Raven, like get those people that are going to want to buy the Raven and Dreamer together, you know? Yeah, I mean, entirely possible, but yeah, uh, I'm glad that you will be getting a Bendy. And just one last thing, I am looking forward to, pre-order's not live yet, when it is, it'll be my weekly purchase, but the Zombie Sailor Brian Pillman figure? You saw uh, that, right? I don't like the face. The face? The face is too soft. I saw um, a lot of people complaining about that. At the end of the day, it's a toy, and I, I'm fine with not, like, photorealistic faces. So, okay. It looks more like Brian Jr. than it looks like Brian Sr. Okay. Uh, at least from what we've seen. Um, so many, and I, I can could, I could understand why... Uh, zombie may not have done this but so many of the pillmen of this era picks that you saw of him he had like that wild eyed look with the big sinister grin seeing all of his teeth yeah and we don't have a head that represents that we have like very stoic looking and again there was moments where that's how the loose cannon Brian Pillman looked but the face looks too much like Brian Jr. than it looks like his dad from the era that they're attempting to depict, you know? Yeah, I mean, two of the heads that are included have giant toothy grins. Like, mm -hmm. one of them, his mouth is open, and you can see all the teeth. The other one, his mouth is shut. But I get neither one of them has, like, giant, wide, coked-out eyes, you know? Yeah, and that's what I want. I want coked-out eyes. Well, you could put the sunglasses on them. And the I hair. The, my only complaint is that the hair is too pretty. The hair is very Fabio on him. Well, that's why I said that it looks it looks more like Brian Jr. Like it's the the everything about the head, you know. Yeah, but uh, all of these complaints, I don't care. I'll, like I give it to me. I like I don't care if it's like a seventy dollar pre order that's going to take three years to fulfill. I want it, you know. Right. He's got a gun. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> This is the only scenario where guns are cool, Joe, is when Brian Pillman has one. Uh-huh. All right, enough of this stuff. Did you buy anything this week? Nothing. What? Oh, man, it's a slow you week. Start, you got to start buying stuff, man. Can't do all the work. All right. I you will have just been say, for a while. <laughs> 
Um, I, I made a couple purchases. Uh, one of them is I ordered one of the major crates just because I want the bendies or not the bendies, mm. the, the micro brawlers. Yeah. So of course I was going to buy one of those. And the other thing I bought is I was, I was a little worried that I would have to make a drive out to Ohio over the summer, but I do not have to because the power con bendies uh, are available to order. And I ordered the uh, the the Mark, the Brian, and the and the Broski. So I ordered those bendies so I can stay complete on my major bendies of those guys. And that is it for me. Who's the fourth one in that line? It's some Jamoke that I've never heard of. Uh, Pixel Dan, who I yeah. guess is like a, a YouTube toy reviewer. I've never watched this stuff. A buddy of mine like knows him as Pixel Dan, like he's a fan. But I guess he's also an indie wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard pass. I'm glad you don't have to buy him as a set. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, not a big week of like quantity, but uh, it was all like major pod rubber dolls related. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, waiting on the announcement of the first set of big rubber guys, too, you know? Oh, yeah. I'll be at the edge of my seat. I have to decide. Like, wh- where do I where do I cut off? The, where, where do I draw the line, Joe? I'm not sure. Oh, you've crossed the line years ago, Adam. There's no going <laughs> back at this point. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But I saved $5 a month by not being a Patreon anymore. There you go. Very, very proud of that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I think that's it. Like I said, I had no purchases. You had a light week of purchases. We had a big, giant, stacked-up show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all done. Yep. All right. So, hey, everyone, thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 238 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.